everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Amos. I'm really glad to have you join us on today's live stream. Now, if you know me, you might be wondering why I'm wearing such a fancy shirt. And you might be thinking, oh, it's because it's Mother's Day. Uh, That would only be part of the truth, because in reality, I own mostly black shirts. And I'm told that if I wear a black shirt in front of this wall, I would be a talking head. But let's stick with the Mother's Day thing. I would love for you to believe that. Uh, And I want to say, like, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And uh, I think it fits so well with our I'm Not Okay series for a couple of reasons to be wishing you happy Mother's Day. Because for so many of us, it's our moms to whom we can say, I'm not okay. And they will meet us with love and tenderness instead of judgment. And so thank you moms for being a safe place. Uh, But also, uh, the I'm Not Okay series is about our formation and our transformation. And for so many of us, it is our moms, more than anybody, who have imprinted the values of sacrifice and service on all of us. So thank you, moms. Uh, The other thing I want to talk about this morning before we jump into our talk is the Four Corners offering. This is an offering that we receive uh, when we're in the room that's in the four corners of the room, but we've been doing online giving. This uh, Four Corners has been given to the St. Edmund's uh, Children's Home, which cares for kids with cerebral palsy. And we started raising money last week to buy groceries for the support staff, many of whom uh, are... COVID-19 positive or have symptoms. Uh, And I just want to show you this number. 5,296 is what we've raised this week. That exceeds our goal. In fact, I checked the mail this morning at the church and that number is now 5,396. So thank you, church, for your just incredible generosity. We're going to keep raising money for the St. Edmund's staff through this week before we switch to another one. Whatever you give to us, though, uh, through this week, we'll be going to help that staff. uh, And just, we want to show them the love of Jesus during this really difficult time. Uh, To give just a little more color, these support staff don't make a lot per hour. And some of them, because of the state of SEPTA and the buses and and fewer routes and fewer drivers are actually taking Uber to work. And so they're spending a huge portion, like up to 25% of their wages per day just to get to and from work. So these, these people really care about their patients, and, and we want to really do our best to care for them. So again, thank you already for the incredible generosity that you've shown to them uh, through this church. So let's pray. God, We bring ourselves to you this morning, our whole selves, wherever we're coming from. Uh, If there are distractions in the house, we just pray that it would be your voice that penetrates our hearts and and simply the action of of tuning in, like informing that habit would do something to make us more like you, to root us in our identity uh, that you give us and that we'll be reading about today. So again, Lord, be our teacher Make us to love more like you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So I was reading another psychological study from the book Switch, which I mentioned, uh, was that last week or the week before? Anyway, uh, so they, these researchers bring in uh, a, a person, uh, not a weatherman, but they hand him a weather report. And they say, read this weather report to this group in this little room. And, and they do. And the, the, the imposter weatherman leaves the room and they say to the group of people, hey, we would like you to take a guess at what that guy's IQ is. And the, the people in the room are like, what do you mean? We, we don't know anything about him. He read us a weather report. They're like, no, no, it's important for the study. Just please take a guess at what you think his IQ is. So they're like, okay, whatever. And they write down some numbers. And it's, it's, total, it's a total guess, right? It's like throwing a dart at a dartboard, and you're not very good at darts necessarily. It'd be like if I was throwing a dart at a dartboard. And, uh, and then they go to the guy who read the, weather, what, read the weather report, and they say, and what do you think your IQ is? And he writes down a number, and they do this, you know, 100 times. Then they make the, the weather guy take an IQ test. Guess who's closer on the guess of the imposter weatherman's IQ? It's the complete strangers. What's the point? We are very bad at knowing ourselves. And we've said in this series, I'm not okay, the path to transformation includes self-awareness. And we are not very good at being self-aware. Last week, we talked about uh, the great enemy of self-awareness, which is self Deception, and I want to return to that here just a second to review. The first way that we deceive ourselves, especially I would say in the church or as followers of Jesus, is that we confuse knowledge with growth. Do you remember last week uh, we talked about how if you set a stone in water, it, it can be in water for weeks, for years, for decades. But the inside of the stone never gets wet. And as we read from James, uh, I think that, yeah, that was just last week. James talked about how if you listen to the word, if you come to church every week, if you read your Bible every day, if you learn exciting new things all the time, but it doesn't penetrate your heart, you are self-deceived. You're, you're not letting it in. If it doesn't penetrate your heart and then translate into the way you live your life, you're like that stone sitting in a pool of water. They say this in the book Switch, knowledge doesn't change you. Learning new things doesn't change you. It doesn't make you more like Jesus necessarily. Finding new inspiration, reading new books, coming to church every week, this is not what God wants for you. He wants, even if it's not much, he wants his word to penetrate your heart and translate into the way you live your life. To believe that simply learning more about God is growth is one of the ways that we deceive ourselves. Another way we can deceive ourselves is to justify our own, we'll just call it evil behavior. So an extreme example would be to talk about the Nazis in Germany uh, leading up to World War II, 
the, the Nazis believed they were doing good work for the human race, and they had deceived themselves. Now, there are no Nazis listening to this live stream, I don't think. But there are people listening to this live stream who have convinced themselves that an emotional affair is no big deal. There are people uh, that I'm talking to right now who have justified their porn addiction by saying, you know, I'm not hurting anybody by looking at this stuff. We justify our own volatile behavior by saying, you know, you made me angry and so now I've lost my temper. We justify many of the things that we'll read from Colossians chapter 3, like greed and idolatry and, and malice and slander on Facebook, if he was writing today. We justify these things in our own heart. Nobody thinks that they are greedy. The people who are with greedy people can see the greed, but the greedy person cannot see it in themselves. The people who slander each other on Facebook don't think that they're slanderers. They, they think that they're, I don't know, they think they're doing the right thing. So, so just know that self-deception is real. It's not in some of us, it's in all of us. It's a matter of how we're deceiving ourselves. Number three, self-deception can disconnect us from our hearts. We convince ourselves that our hearts are not alive, they're not active, that we're not feeling the things that we're really feeling. And I want to talk about two uh, emotions that many of us pretend don't exist, and they are anxiety and shame. So I want you to think about the times in the last 48 hours that you've felt anxiety and or shame. And I want you to know that if you say, well, I haven't felt anxious or I haven't felt shame, I am 99.9% .9 sure that you just didn't realize it or don't know it. It's a way that you've shut down your heart. And, and the real danger here is that if you don't recognize the anxiety or shame that is active in your life, you don't know how it's controlling you. The people, people in the world who don't experience shame actually have a diagnosis. They're sociopaths. Like, here are your options. You either experience shame or you're a sociopath. Like, let's, let's admit to ourselves that we experience shame on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. It might not be big, it, it might be small, it might be uh, something that just, just like pops a little bit, it might not take over and control you, but, but be willing to admit that it's there and that it can. And we talked about this also a couple weeks ago. Every person experiences anxiety all the time. That's why whenever God shows up, he says, do not be afraid. I, I think there might be a word for a living thing that doesn't experience anxiety as well. And those are plants. Like it, all people experience anxiety, but you might not see it or notice it as anxiety. I've been listening to a podcast called The Leader's Journey, and they talk about this in leadership in particular. 
But in, in notice, knowing or noticing that all it takes actually for anxiety to take root is to meet someone that you disagree with or to read something you disagree with. You might not code it as anxiety, but that, that sudden urge to, to reply on Facebook, that sudden like shortening of your breath, like that's anxiety taking over. Uh, I, I'm referencing back a lot. Uh, so maybe you just need to <laughs> if, you, if this is your first time viewing and go back the last couple weeks to, to review on the series, but I talked about the importance of examine or uh, as one of our pastors put it so beautifully on a morning reflection, Emily said, uh, it's not just self-reflection, it's self-reflection with God. So that's one of the main things in self-awareness is to realize that you are both head and heart and head and heart overflows into the way that you live your life. And so let's read from Colossians chapter three. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. And it speaks to both the writer and the elephant, the way we live and who we are. And that's where it starts. Who are we? It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, that's the identity piece, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And this idea of setting your sights is not simply rational. Uh, it has to do with both desires and strategy. Really interesting when you look at the original language. So it's heart and mind, rider and elephant, setting your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think, okay, now we're, now we're on the, you know, right, intellectual side. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, is who, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Again, it's not... Put to death the elephant. It's put to death the sinful earthly things lurking in both head and heart. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. This is heart stuff. Impurity, lust, and evil what? Desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is a, once again, a heart condition, an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. What did you do? But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Again, out of the heart, our life flows. If your heart is desiring what is evil and is idolatrous, you will... Turn to anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Here's another, like, outflowing. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Instead, verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, civilized, slave or free. In other words, this is a new identity and all the things that used to divide us 
are now of secondary importance. Political realities, right? Jew or Gentile is not just a religious category. It is a political category. These things, Paul says, don't matter. All the things that could divide us, rich and poor, these things are of secondary importance. These things are of secondary importance. What does he say? What matters? What becomes the center of who we are? Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Again, going inside. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy. Here are elephant stuff. This is heart stuff. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, here comes the action that flows out of the heart. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above, now we're going back, I think, into heart, but this is kind of where heart and action get mixed, right? Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule where? In your hearts. Remember the anxiety stuff. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. So several years ago, there were some doctors who realized that kids and teens with cancer uh, would go through their chemo treatment, but then when they were sent home, wouldn't take their medication. And you can't blame them. Uh, it was a lot of medication at a lot of times a day. The medication had nasty side effects. Sometimes it was a lower-dose chemo pill, and so it made you nauseated, and it made your skin get bumpy, and, and it wasn't pleasant stuff. But then uh, what would happen when the kids wouldn't take their medication, they'd have to go back to the chemo, which side effects were even worse of course. And, and it's not the sort of thing where if you take 20% less of your meds that you're 20% more likely for the cancer to come back. It's one of those things where if you take 20% less of your cancer medication, it's a 200% chance that the cancer comes back. So this is really important. So they, they put a lot of time and energy and resources into trying to figure out how to get these kids to take their medicine, right? We're talking about life and death here for some of these teens. And so they decide, well, we need to get them the information in a way that they'll read and relate to. So what they did is they built this video game called Remission. Pretty creative, right? And in this video game, uh, there were 20 levels, and the kids would basically travel through a human body with a, like a, a first-person shooter type of setup, and they would kill cancer cells as they go. But then interplaced inside of the game were, you know, facts or information about how important it was to take their pills. Now, the amazing thing is that this new video game approach worked. Kids who completed all 20 levels took more of their meds. But what about the kids who took one or two, who just completed one or two levels? Or in other words, only got about 10 or 20% of the information that the kids who completed all 20 levels completed. 
The amazing thing is they took their meds just as often. So it wasn't about the quantity or, I, they suggest, even quality of the information. This is a surprising fact. They thought the knowledge would change them, but it wasn't the knowledge. Knowledge doesn't change people. What happened is, as the kids played their video games, they began to shift their identity. The kids who only completed two levels saw them as kids who were connected to a bigger group, but, but a group of people who like took their medication. Their identity shifted from, I want to just go back to the way life was before I had cancer, to a realization that, hey, I'm someone who's fighting cancer. I'm going to fight this cancer and I'm not alone. There are other kids out there doing the same thing as me. The identity that they had changed. And that's what's most important to us as we try to get to a place of realizing that we're not okay, but moving into a place where we can be and love and act and think more like Jesus. It's about a new identity. So what does Colossians say about your new identity? First of all, uh, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. This is who you are. It's, it's deeply, deeply important that you remember this, that you inhabit this, that you make decisions based on this every day, that you post on Facebook remembering that you are chosen by God to be his holy people and that he loves you that you have been raised to new life with Christ. This is who you are. You know, some of us buy cars because of our identity, right? If you, if you own a Subaru, it's probably because you think of yourself as the kind of person who would drive a Subaru. Or if you, if you drive a Toyota, you know, some of us don't care about cars, but you care about something. We find these ideas or, or things or people to base our identity on. Sometimes it's political. Sometimes it's about cars. Sometimes it's about phones. But as someone who buys a Toyota, there's a certain set of values that comes with that. And then it, it, it affects like every part of your behavior and, and not just the cars you buy, but other things you buy. What I'm saying here is it's actually about your identity it's about remembering who you are. And that's the most important thing when it comes to change. It's not about trying to manage your sin or manipulate your behavior. Because sure, we can like change our behavior for a day. But what, what will change us, what really matters, is the, the shifting of the heart. You once were dead in your sin. You once, Paul says, acted in all these ways, but this is not who you are. When you lose your temper at your spouse or your kids, this is not who you really are. You are someone who was chosen and who was loved. You were made to be kind and generous and tenderhearted. This is the new life. You were meant to love. And so as you drive 
wherever it is you're driving these days, as you stand in line at those terribly long lines at Wegmans in the grocery store, as you read on Facebook the posts that aggravate you or cause you anxiety, as you post and react on Facebook, remember who you are. And Paul actually goes on in the next couple of verses to show us how to stay rooted in that identity, which what I'm saying here, more than anything else, forms us to be who Jesus is. This identity of being loved by God and being raised to new life with Christ. But we're going to save that for next week. So that's a cliffhanger for you. I will give you a teaser though. It's not so much about your ability and power as it is about God's. So let's pray and then we'll worship. God, let the reality of our new identity take root as we sing, as we worship, as we wake up in the morning, as we do our examines, as we read the Bible. God, let it be a new identity that changes us. We confess, we repent that we don't always live as if that were true. We don't always live as if we were raised to new life with you. But we know that you are quick to forgive, that you turn toward us, not away from us, when our behavior doesn't match our new identity, that you are tender and kind and generous, that you love us and that you want us to experience the peace that only you can give. So God, now we turn our hearts to you and we worship you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.